This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. All right, today on the show, I have guest Clarkie Doster, who is passionate about helping our kids read and write. She has a website, Reading and Writing Matters. She is a teacher and private tutor. She has two kids, and she's on a mission to help parents and caregivers and teachers become the team they need to be, while also giving parents and caregivers the tools and inspiration necessary to guide their children's thinking and communication in a critical, thoughtful direction while developing more connected family relationships and decreasing stress. Uh, So I have some boys that don't really love to read so much. And so Clarky gives some really good ideas for helping them enjoy reading more. And she also gave me the good idea to host a book club. So have the boys pick out a book together, their friends can pick out a book and then do something fun at the end of it. Like everybody reads the same book, you know, like us adults do book clubs, do a book club for kids, but make it fun and interesting and exciting. And am I focused enough to do something like that? Do you think I can? Anybody interested? If you are interested in doing that, um, I'm thinking it would be, I'd probably have to do a couple separate groups, one for my eight-year-old and one for my 11-year-old. But um, email me, lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. If I have more than like four people, email me. I think we could make it happen. Um, It could be a virtual fun thing, maybe an in-person thing, whatever. Uh, to learn more about Clarky, go to readingandwritingmatters.com. And I hope you truly enjoy this episode. I took some inspiration from it and I'm motivated more than ever to get to reading with my kids. If you enjoy this episode, please share it with your friends on social media. And if you want to get a really good night's sleep, check out our sponsor, Lagoon Sleep. They have the best pillows ever. Just go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order and get the best sleep of your life. Seriously, these pillows are amazing. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Clarkie. Hey, friends. Today on the podcast, we have Clarkie Doster on the show. Welcome to the show, Clarkie. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. Coming to us from Chicago, I was just telling you, I was just in the Windy City, and I love it so much. Um, was there for the marathon. So do you live in the city? I do. Mm-hmm. Ooh, fancy Actually, the fun. marathon runs like about a block and a half away from my house. So. Oh, do you know what mile it is? No, I think it might be like mile 10. Oh, fun. Do you go down and watch or cheer, look from your window? Um, can't see from our window, um, but... I, we do sometimes go walk down and share. Yes. Okay. Fun. And then do you, you have one child? Two, a three-year-old and a, to, as of today, seven week old. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Oh my gosh. How are you doing? We are hanging in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's so funny how sometimes which I'm sure you know this and maybe by the time you get to three or four, it gets easier, but there's some things that are like so much easier. And there's some things that I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot how this worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do think coming, going from one to two is just a, I mean, obviously anytime you add a human being to your family, it's a big adjustment, but like right. you're suddenly like, 
oh, I have to buckle two people. Everything you do is like, you're keeping this one safe, but also you're keeping this one safe from that one. And there's just like, right. it's a lot. It's, it's overwhelming for sure. You're that's yeah. good for you. And good three-year-old you. boys just like sometimes struggle with the word gentle. Oh yeah. I know a thing or two about that. Yeah. <laughs> and is your second, is it a girl or a boy? A boy. A boy. Okay. So two boys. Um, two boys. Tell me about living in the city with kids. You know, I think that living in the city with little ones is really great. Yeah. Um, we can walk to the grocery store. We can walk our three-year-old to childcare. Not having to deal with buckling into the car all of mm-hmm. the time is amazing. Chicago has so many great parks. The Lincoln Park Zoo is free. Oh, it is? It's free. Totally. Yes. So you can go there and you're not like, I spent, you know, $100 for our family to get in here today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can literally just walk through. Wow. And I didn't know that. It's no big deal, um, which is amazing. And there's just a lot to explore. So we we love it. And we plan on being here for, you know, indefinitely, but. Who knows when we reach the next phase, whether the city will still make sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally like want to be a city person and we lived in the city when we lived in Indianapolis, but Indianapolis is totally different than Chicago. Um, just as far as like walkability and stuff like that. But, um, when we moved here to Raleigh two years ago, my youngest was three and my oldest was nine, but we were moving to this phase of life where I was like, especially moving to a new place. I was like, I want my kids to be able to just get on bikes and find friends and me not to have to orchestrate it. Um, And so we had looked at this neighborhood closer in town, but then we moved, we're still in Raleigh, but like we're a little bit North because of that reason. And I was like, if we moved here and my oldest was three, we would have chosen that more city neighborhood because like they're not out free, like riding their bikes around to meet friends anyway at that age. So yeah, there's definitely like can be a little shift, but I mean, I know tons of people who raise their families in New York city through high school and they love it. So yeah. Yeah. It's definitely different. I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky. So it was more of the like hop on your bike and, uh um, and go. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So one of the thing that the main thing we're going to talk about today is reading and writing, which is what you do. And man, I cannot get my boys to want to read for the life of me, specifically my older boys. My, my third, I'm like, I think a lot of it actually does have to do with like where they were in school when COVID happened. Um, because my third and fourth weren't in school yet. They didn't have any like disruptions with that. And so my, my first grader, I mean, he likes to read. He's, I think he can read better than my third grader, you know? And so, um, I don't think that that's going to be as big of a struggle, but man, I struggle with my older two. So that being said, let's get started with talking about like what you do for work and how you got into your business. I was a classroom teacher and I taught eighth grade reading and writing. And I, when I had my son, who's now three, even 
in those first couple of years, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much that I know as a teacher, even though I'm certified to teach sixth through 12th grade, there's just so much that I know that is helping me Mm. as a parent Mm. that had my life taken a different direction and I hadn't gone back to get my master's in education, I just wouldn't know. Mm. And it's really, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I started thinking so much more about parents than I ever did before, naturally. And um, I was realizing that my students, both the students I taught in my class, and then I was also tutoring, just reading for fun wasn't a thing that was really happening. Um, even reading for school was a struggle. It's harder for me to do my job because you can't you can't teach the academic concepts if they haven't done any reading. Um, writing was also a huge struggle. Um, and a lot of that I was noticing was coming from a lack of confidence. Mm. And especially after COVID, um, kids were just really wanting like immediate gratification. Is this right? There's so much anxiety around like, is this the right answer? Mm. And because during COVID, we had to do so much just like, you know, kind of immediate right or wrong kinds of questioning and teaching, which isn't what um, most educators want to do normally. (laughs) Um, But online, you just kind of had to do it to keep attention. Um, And so discussion was harder and teaching was just a lot more difficult. Um, And so I really just thought, okay, who is out there helping parents of Mm. kind of upper elementary through high school, really families. There's so much focus on families with toddlers and, um, you know, young school age kids. And then it's kind of parents are kind of on their own or they're like, oh, school's got it. And so I really just felt inspired to help those parents and help families make reading part of their routines and talking about reading part of their routines and helping their children so that reading time is not a battle and so that they can understand that reading for fun is a real thing and We all know about all these benefits. Like, I'm sure you understand, oh, reading is important, but it's like, yeah, I get it. I know all of this, but how do I actually implement this and make this work for my family? Um, So that's, that's where I am. And that's what I'm kind of called to do now. Um, I feel like you're coming to me right when I need you. (laughs) I am, I am your demographic because my oldest is in fifth and then I've got third first and then pre-K, but it's my third and fifth that I'm like, um, I, I guess in a way I'm like, I know it's not too late, obviously, but I'm also like, oh my gosh, all the things I didn't do that I should have done, you know? And I've always read to my boys. Um, and I read a lot. Like they see me reading all the time. Um, but I haven't implemented good habits with like, hey, we're going to do like 15 minutes where you you read too, you know? Um, yeah. 
And I really, I, I've tried to explain this to my oldest son. Like, if you get into a book, like into the story, it's like watching a show that you're into. It's like watching a TV show that you like. Like, you get invested in the characters. You get invested in the storyline. You're just reading it instead of watching it. Um, and he hasn't quite yet picked up on any series that, like, he wants to know more, you know? Um, yeah. So maybe we can talk about ways that you, like, let's just, we could use my family as a case study even, like ways that you would work with a family like mine to help us implement these strategies to encourage reading and writing. Yeah. So first of all, you are, because you read and they see you read, that is a huge thing because you're not feeling like a hypocrite. Yeah. Oh, you have to read but I'm just going to be over here on my phone or yeah. My kids are always like, my kids are always like, of course you're reading your book again. (laughs) But then, but even if they're, they're like kind of like, Oh, you're reading. They know like, okay, reading is something that's worthwhile that grownups do. And it's not one of these things that they're hearing. Like, why do I have to read? And you Uh don't have to read. Yeah. When I, when I told my eighth graders, my last class that I was um, leaving teaching and that, I wanted to work with parents and um, that I thought it was so important that, that parents read too. They were like, I wish they had told my parents this Aww. in the beginning of the year because they need that. Um, and so, yeah, so you're already a step ahead of the game. The first thing I want to say is that um, there's something that not a lot of people know about that's called decline by nine. Okay. Which is that, there is a huge drop in reading for fun around age nine. Really? And for whatever reason, you know, kids start getting busier mm-hmm. with friends and interests and extracurriculars. Um, family read aloud sometimes kind of go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And so your boys are not alone. And it's also a great time to kind of double down and find the what helps reading be joyful for them Mm -hmm. so you said series and that is exactly where I would start would be trying to find a series that they love Um, and if not series even an author that they love that then they can kind of binge that author's books Mm -hmm. sometimes it starts by finding a book that you can read aloud as a family um, and then they can take off from there after you read that first one as a family and you've kind of built up the hype then they can start reading the next ones on their own I find that um, to be very helpful how do you recommend like finding the right reading level like you don't want it to be too easy you don't want it to be too hard you want it to be just right but I feel like that can be really challenging sometimes especially at the stages of reading my older two are in So reading levels, I think, can be so stressful for parents. And reading levels actually exist, like the formal reading levels. I don't know if your children are, like, aware of their formal reading levels. I don't think so. Okay, good. Because they were really only should be for teachers. Yeah, yeah. And um, really, you want them to be able to, A, enjoy the book, And so if they're enjoying a book that is 
below their reading level, that is okay. Yeah. That is great. Because one thing that I really like to teach parents is that talking and asking the right questions about the books that they're reading can get their brain moving in amazing ways that it doesn't matter if they're not being challenged by the plot or vocabulary in their book. There will be plenty of room to challenge them. But if your first goal is just to get them to enjoy reading, telling them like, oh, that book's too easy for you, isn't going to help. All right, friends, I want to let you know if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindsayheim.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner beginner. So it's as beginner as you can get. There's a beginner intermediate. There's an intermediate and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles. And I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually, my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer down from 146 to 139 half marathon. All right. You heard it from Bridget. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right. Back to the show. So how do you recommend getting started? Like implementing this, like, we're going to read for 15 minutes a day or whatever it is. So I um, am actually working on finishing up a 30 days to joyful reading program for families. And the first thing that I suggest in there is to expose. So expose your children to as many books as possible in as many ways as possible. So if saying, hey, we're going to sit down and read for 15 minutes feels like, okay, that's going to be total backlash. This isn't going to work. I would start by getting them excited about different kinds of books that are out there. Visiting bookstores, visiting the library, um, even just like browsing online of different books that are available. Um, There are so many book lists out there. I'm also like always happy to work with families to hear about the ages in their families and the interests in their families to help either with options for individual books or for family read alouds. And if you start reading to them for 15 minutes a day of a longer book, it doesn't have to be before bed. It can be while they are doing something else, like Mm -hmm. having a snack, Mm -hmm. playing with Play-Doh, like coloring, building Legos. Like they don't have to be like sitting there perfectly listening to you. Yes. Um, Building that excitement and starting to build that time into your routine. Also audiobooks, Hmm. Um, listening to audiobooks in the car can be a great way to kind of ease in. 
and expose them to different things. And you can get audiobooks from the library, which a lot yeah. of people I think forget about. Um, the Libby app is really great. Oh, okay. For that. And um, yeah, just expose, expose, expose. And no child is ever too old for picture books. Okay. Um, how do you feel about reading challenges? Like rewards for reading kind of thing? I do not love them. Okay. At all. Um, I will say that one size does not fit all. Right. Of course. And um, I like to think of a reading challenge as more as something that some kids and adults might need to kind of jumpstart. Like a motivator. A motivator. But I like to think of the reward as the the reading is the reward. Yeah. Some people, myself included, like I actually have a reading challenge tracker, but there's no reward. But it's fun to see your numbers go up. It's fun to see like, okay, so every day I'm going to color in this book. Yeah. When I've read my fiction for 15 minutes and yeah. Then I'm going to see like, oh, I've been doing this every day for 15 days. And how do I feel? Mm-hmm. Do I feel less stressed? Do I feel excited to read my book every night? Do I feel worse because I'm reading? Does this, do I feel like some sort of dread? Is this maybe not a book that I want? Am I not reading at the right time? Um, so I feel like it's better as a tool to kind of aid reflection and also build momentum but when you're attaching rewards to reading it's turning it into a chore yeah and I think that even for avid readers it can make it a little bit negatively competitive yeah um and you're like speed reading instead of enjoying it yes it's like oh okay when the library does the thing like the first people to get to this number of books then it's like I don't know I was one of these kids who was like oh I'm just gonna read the easiest books as fast as I can yeah instead of pushing myself to read the books that I actually wanted to read yeah and that would have taken longer yeah longer more challenging books exactly because it felt like it needed to be a race I wonder though what could be a good motivator for like my oldest I, I think that we have got to implement some sort of like external motivation to get him to do it. Cause we, when we went to, um, we went to Sanibella where all my family was and mm-hmm. we did like a reading challenge for the two days with him and one of the cousins. And we were like, okay, um, whoever reads this much, like we'll go to the bookstore and get, buy you a new book. That's what the, that's what the reward was. My dad bought them a new book from the like really cute little local bookstore. Um, and he was, my son was really motivated by that. And since then, I've yet to be, be able to recl- replicate that motivation. Like, but I hear what you're saying there because I'm like, you don't want it to be a, t- a chore. You want it to be something they end up in- enjoying. But like, what external motivator could I give him? So have you asked him what he enjoyed about that? He likes competition. He likes to be competitive. I think, I mean, okay. I guess I haven't straight up asked him though. I should. But I, 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 I think I assumed him. that. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, I don't think that there's a problem with um, being competitive with yourself. Yeah. Um, and 
I also think that thinking of reading as a habit mm-hmm. rather than as a task. Yeah. Or reading as a ritual rather mm-hmm. than as a task. Like habit stacking, yeah. Yes, and habit stacking is huge. Um, is there something fun that he already likes to do that you could tack reading on to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, something and this, I think, lends itself a little bit better to tween and teen girls where it's like, you know, oh, you can like put on your face mask for 10 or 15 minutes uh, yeah, and read while you do that. Um, but with someone who's not into that, yeah, um, there might be something else that he loves to do that he can read either before or after doing. It doesn't need to be a, a during yeah. situation. Um, it can also be something where if there is a topic that he's interested in, yeah, finding as many different books of different genres and even different formats, um, that are kind of like all cover that same topic to get him excited about it and maybe excited to share with you. Yeah, I think I need to get some more sports books. I think that that would be. Yes. Oh, I have the best of intentions. I just. No, of course. And I'm here to help. If he has a friend, (laughs) even just one friend, um, who the two of them could kind of make their own little book club together. Oh, that's fun. That can also really help. That's fun. Yeah. And say like, okay, we're going to finish this book by this day. And then even um, instead of like sitting down and doing like a book club discussion, maybe you guys can plan an activity that would tie into the book. I love that idea. I never thought about that. Yeah. So it, it makes it social. And I always encourage part of my like 30 day to joyful reading, the end is making it social. So how can we kind of instill this idea that even though reading is a solo activity, it can also have a social aspect. Yes. I love, I think that that would be a motivator for him knowing that his friends were reading it too. And then at the end we get to do something. It's always about what are we going to do? What fun thing do we get to do? So yeah, and maybe it's going somewhere and doing something that the characters in the book did. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, having like a theme night at home. Maybe it's making a certain meal together, um, inspired by the book that like the kids could plan. I love there that. So there, like, there's so many options, and depending yeah. on your child's interests and personalities. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to get like an adult book club going on here for me. So I'm like, I know that there are a lot of boy moms around here that are like, I want to get my kids to read more. (laughs) And I don't know how gendered it is, but I, I just hear people talk about having a harder time getting their boys to read than their girls. Is that, would that be a true statement? I mean, I think from my like anecdotal yeah like experience Experience. that you've yeah and I think lots of times you know if if the mom is the one who's kind of pushing totally the reading it's 
sometimes a little bit easier to bond with your daughter mm-hmm. over books that you're reading together or doing something like going to get a pedicure and taking your books or doing the face mask. And of course, boys can be into all of that too. Right. <laughs> but more often than not, I think it's just a little bit harder to have that same connection. Yeah. And my husband doesn't read books. He like literally, I don't, he probably hasn't read a book in 10 years. I mean, he reads, he reads like articles. He reads about sports stuff. Um, he reads a lot of for work, like, you know, the stuff that he's working on, but like he doesn't read books. And so, yeah, they're certainly not seeing dad holding a book. So something that would be incredibly helpful would be if even like three times a week, your husband sat down in front of them. Uh huh. He doesn't even have to say anything about it and reads for 10 minutes okay. a fiction book. All right. I'm going to put him to the task. Yeah. See or even, even like creative nonfiction. Yeah. I'm always like, you're missing out. I don't know why you don't like to read. I don't know. He doesn't, he's just not. And it's so funny because, um, not slamming myself when I say this, but like, he's way more intellectual than me. <laughs> like, uh, and I love, love, love reading all sorts of different books. And he just, I don't know. I feel like the last book he read was like The Hunger Games. <laughs> Before we Yeah, had that would be really, that would be really powerful. And even um, if he, even if he read a book, if he sat down and read, you know, a middle grade novel. Yeah. He might hate every second of it at first, but then he could say, hey, boys. I'm reading this book and I really think that you would love it too. Mm-hmm. Do you want to read it when I'm finished or do you want me to read it out loud to you? Yeah. Kind of bring them in that way. So if we, if we are in a space where one of our kids needs a reading tutor, what would be your advice on where to start with that? So when thinking about needing a reading tutor my advice would be to really check in and think about like what is it that they're struggling with is it that they're like really can't decode the words because I don't know if you're aware of the reading crisis in America in that children are not being taught to read the right way there are curriculums out there and educators out there who have been pushing teaching reading in a way that is not based in science and they are having kids memorize and guess and use pictures as clues, and they are not teaching the science behind how we learn to read. You know, reading is something that humans invented, so unlike talking, our brains are not naturally Mm. wired to just learn how to read. Um, So there are a lot more kids who are your older to age who maybe just were not taught how to read correctly. And they might need to kind of go back in time and get actual reading instruction. And that's different from a child who you might feel like needs a reading tutor because they lack stamina, lack interest, um, just haven't figured out how to lock into reading in a way that helps them comprehend, but they can actually read and decode in the right setting. So what, what is the appropriate way to do it? So it would be a program rooted in the science of reading. 
and um, where teachers are trained to teach students how to um, actually read and decode and not say like, oh, well, the picture says this, so it must be that, um, where teachers teach spelling rules and um, teach phenomic awareness. Mm. And so they understand kind of what sounds are and how letters are put together and they have the building blocks. Yeah. And it's not just like, oh, just look at books and you'll magically learn to read. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about the writing piece. I downloaded a couple of your freebies and I loved the thank you note one that you have. Oh, great. And let me just tell you, I am a big like note writer, thank you note person and I love that you say start your thank you notes with a compliment rather than saying thank you right away. And I'm like, wow, for 40 years, I have started with thank you. (laughs) Can you explain that to to everybody how you teach that? Because I think that's so smart. Well, I really want to credit my third grade teacher for that tip. I love it so much. Um, It just helps your... Thank you note, not be generic. Yeah. And um, helps you not sound like a robot. Yeah. Personalizes it too. It personalizes it it completely. Um, And one thing I love about thank you note writing is that it it like can actually like be really helpful as a learning tool. Yeah. For your family. Uh, But it's also just like, kind of a lost art it is and I think sometimes it's like oh well I send a text message and said thank you mm-hmm. but starting off with with a compliment or like some sort of connector um I think also teaching that to kids kind of like opens up this whole opportunity for things to say other than thank you yeah I mean, it's a connection. It's like a way to teach them how to communicate too. Yes. And communication is, as we all know, so important. But again, it's like, how do we, how do we make this actually happen? How do I help my child be a better communicator? Yeah. Let's um, talk about how teaching our kids to write on a regular basis, read on a regular basis helps with their critical thinking skills long-term. Yes. So... And I would add in that part of the reading and writing that I teach and stress um, also includes discussion. Mm. I think building confident and competent writers starts with discussion um, because if you can't feel confident in a discussion, you're never going to feel confident looking at a blank page or blinking cursor on a screen. And if you can't have a discussion about what you're reading, then it's, I mean, we don't have to talk about absolutely every book we read um, and not every discussion needs to be academic by any means. Um, but engaging in this reading and engaging in this writing and, and checking in with yourself and your own thoughts and then sharing them with other people is so huge for long-term critical thinking in that it opens up 
kids' eyes and ears to the rest of the world. And a big part of critical thinking is looking beyond just your own experience. And so that's so much of what we can get from books. Of course, there's so much out there that we can read about to connect with ourselves and to learn about ourselves. But so often you can learn more about you by reading about someone who is unlike you. Mm, So true. And especially in the world right now where things are so polarized and feel scary and where there's misinformation everywhere and just information everywhere. It's so important for our children to learn how to question and ask and be curious and know that asking a question doesn't mean they're stupid. Um, Asking a question actually means you're smart. Mm -hmm. Having a practice of, of reading or having a practice of writing even for yourself so other people don't see or know about it just um, activates your brain in a way that is just it it can't nothing else can help it in that same way mm, so good um all right so your website what is your website it's reading and writing matters i love it she has tons of freebies on there too if you just need like a little kickstart to to have an idea for your family or to start reading more lots of options there Yes, lots of options there, and I am happy to do free 10-minute calls with parents to kind of figure out what the best direction for you is. I um, can do one-to-one virtual meetings with families. Um, If you are interested in having me come speak to a bigger group or work with like a PTO or even like a, a mom's book club. Um, you can email me and I'm so, so happy to do that. Um, I have a couple of um, guides available for um, a family read aloud mm. to learn how to ask the right questions and how often to ask questions, um, how to frame what you're already asking in a different way that maybe invites or definitely invites conversation and discussion rather than just a one word answer. And then you're just staring at each other like, Oh shoot, this isn't going how I wanted it to. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Lots of options. And like I said, um, I do have a seven week old baby. So things are going a little bit slower, Um, but I am on my way to releasing a self-paced program 30 days to joyful reading for your family, which will just be filled with ideas. I love that. I'm excited to, I don't want to say I'm going to do it because I'm like, will I do it? The book club for kids. I really want to. Yes. And honestly, there are so many different ways to do it that you can be like as detailed and into it or as kind of like low key as you want. That's the thing is that I just, I never want any parent to feel like so much pressure. I mean, I have been there where it's like, I'm going to go all in on this. And then you do it for two weeks and you're burnt out. And it's like, this is not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I could do it online or in person, blah, blah, blah. So many ideas now. Um, Thank you for that. I love that. Uh, All right. Wrapping up here. What is the best, most recent book you've read? So I have been listening to audiobooks more as I'm like sitting a baby in the middle of the night, which, um, And I just 
listened to Tom Lake by Ann Patchett, her most recent book, narrated by Meryl Streep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so good. Meryl Streep did an amazing job. I love Ann Patchett. And being a mom of young children, it was so great to read a book about a mom Mm. with grown children and seeing her relationships with her girls as young women. Um, because, you know, sometimes the postpartum hormones can get to you and you look at your baby and you're like, I hope that you love me forever. I know. Oh, it's a lot. It was just such a a nice, I I often honestly get more drawn to like these dark books that Uh, make uh me cry. Um, but this was like a cozy, just really, um, refreshing read. I mean, I guess if you're Ann Patchett, you can get Meryl Streep to read your book. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um, do you have a kid's book you recommend? The book that my family is so obsessed with, it's actually just came out with the second one recently. Your boys all might like this. Okay. Um, my son is actually dressing up as a character from it for Halloween. He is three. It's actually a middle grade graphic novel. So do you read it to him? I read it to him and then he flips through and reads it himself and has like memorized it and will be like, you know, chapter 14 and he knows what it's about. Uh Um, But it's called The First Cat in Space Ate Pizza. Okay. And I have always been like a proponent of kids reading graphic novels, but I never really cared for any myself. Mm -hmm. Um, This one is hilarious. It's so funny. There's stuff that you will think it's funny that your kids might not understand yet. Okay. There's so much that they, it's okay if your younger kids don't like get a joke yet. Um, I love, it's by Mac Barnett and Sean Harris, and they actually collaborated on it during the pandemic. Mm. And they, it started as like a thing that they were doing on Instagram and they made these live cartoons Um, so I also love talking about how it's something that friends did together Yeah, and it's a book that has brought so many people together and had such a like fun community behind it. The second one just came out first cat in space and the soup of doom, um, which is also hilarious. I'm just a big fan. Love it. What is your last message to leave with our audience today? It's never too late to start reading. Do not feel ashamed. And be honest with your children about your own reading and reading life. Because they need to know that sometimes you have reading slumps too. Yeah. Thank you, Clarkie. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Clarkie, for coming on the show. Readingandwritingmatters.com to learn more about what she's doing. You can find me. I'm on Instagram, lindsayhine626. You can learn more about this podcast at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here and we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?